0: another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today I'm joined by Dr. Tim Dellett. Tim is a professor in the Department of Medicine, Division of Allergy and Infectious Disease, and the Chief Medical Officer for UW Medicine, as well as the President of UWP. And you can tell from all of those titles that he goes to and leads lots of meetings. So I invited you here today, Tim, to talk about how to run a great meeting, because I think it's one of those things that we think you should know and you get kind of tossed into it, but no one really tells you like how to run a meeting. So I thought we could talk about that. Sounds good. Okay. So my first question really is before we talk about running a meeting, um, I feel like there's different reasons that we have meetings. So what do you think are the kind of the reasons to have a meeting? and Are there different types of meetings in your mind uh, when when we're thinking about this?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great uh, question. Uh, But first, I would actually say, do we actually need the meeting? That's really the first question. That's like the best question. (laughs) And I raise that because one of the many lessons learned over this last year through the pandemic is the value of people's time. And I would also say there have been some meetings over this past year and committees that haven't met at all. And that highly suggests they probably weren't needed to begin with. Uh, and so I think, you know, it's very easy to add more and more meetings, add more committees. And we do so with often not pausing and thinking about can we remove others? Can we do this more efficiently? And I really think as we recover from this pandemic, we really have to focus and relook at our overall meeting structure. Now, with that said, I do think of meetings in kind of different ways. There are some meetings that are purely informative. There are some meetings that you need to seek approval, particularly board meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are also, I think, at the heart of many meetings, you want to be able to engage key stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are different flavors of meetings, uh, depending on what those underlying goals may be.
0: So I want to go back to what you said at the beginning, which I think is so important. Like, do you really need to have a meeting and and how it interacts with that informational meeting? Because sometimes I feel like I'm at some of those meetings where everything is kind of pushed out to us and it's not a lot of dialogue. Do you still feel like there's some value for those types of meetings?
1: I personally think those meetings are much less effective, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if on a regular basis, they're only pushing out information, Mm
0: -hmm. then I
1: think there are other ways to do that that may be a better use of individual's time. I really think the whole purpose to me of a meeting is to drive initiatives forward Mm -hmm. in many respects. If I step back and think about, well, why do we meet in the first place? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And for those to be effective, there has to be conversation. There has to be dialogue and there has to be discussion around there. So if it's only informative, maybe you do that you know, once or twice for key issues because you need to get that out to a broad audience, but that shouldn't be the norm for a given meeting, or it's going to lose its effectiveness. And honestly, people will stop attending.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think I actually think that's a great moment for all of us to pause and say, do we really need this meeting? And if it's just information, can we do it in an alternate strategy? I think that's great. Um I'm going to focus on those meetings where it's more about the dialogue, the discussion. And I guess my question for you is, I know you run a bunch of those types of meetings. What do you do beforehand, before you're going to come together for that meeting? Like, What's the pre-work for an effective meeting where you're actually going to try to do some process, if you will?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to have an effective meeting to do that pre-planning. And I usually start at least a week or two in advance. Uh, And part of that is starting to think about, well, what do I want to accomplish with this meeting? And that goes to the agenda. And I think of the agenda as really the framework for that discussion. And so thinking about what are those topics, how they relate to one another in terms of the order, Mm -hmm. who are the best individuals to invite to discuss those given topics? Sometimes they're members of the committee, as an example. Other times you may want to bring in guests. And particularly with the guests, you want to get a hold of them earlier so that they can block out time on their calendar, make sure they're available make sure they have time to prepare because Mm -hmm. no one likes to be asked last minute. And you also wanna have the materials ideally available for the members of the meeting to review in advance. Because I think if you can review the meeting materials in advance, then you can have a discussion as opposed to having to go through everything in detail, uh, for instance, with slide presentations or documents. And so there's a mix there, but the pre-work really is important to have an effective meeting.
0: So I want to go into some more granularity on that for folks who are kind of doing their first times leading meetings. So I totally agree with you on the like giving people materials in advance so they can read in advance. I'm a better meeting participant when I can do that for sure. So what do you think is a reasonable time frame? Like how much time do you give people? Like push out the materials a day before, two days before, a week? I think at least uh, a couple of days
1: uh, before. I mean, in an ideal world for some board meetings, we really try to get them out. A week Mm -hmm. ahead—that's tough sometimes because people are always trying to get last-minute updates uh, in place. But I think if people have at least uh, two to three days at a minimum to be able to read them, I think the day before is tough because you don't know someone could be in clinic all day or in the OR or just be in back-to-back meetings and not have a chance to look at that material. So, trying at least a few days in advance, if not greater time.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great pearl. And then. When you, obviously lots of meetings, we invite other people to come present or discuss or be a part of a discussion. What do you think is a reasonable timeframe for giving people notice about inviting them to a meeting?
1: I try to at least two weeks. I just think people's schedules are so busy. Uh, and if I know even further ahead, sometimes I'll plan a month ahead You know, for regular board meetings, Yeah, uh, but I, I think at least two weeks.
0: Okay, I think that's a good rule of thumb too. Um, I wanna go back to the agenda. Um, you said kind of you try to figure out like who's going to talk when and what how how you know what the sequence is. Are you a type of person who puts on the agenda how long a like, given part of the conversation is going to be like I see some agendas that say like 8 to 820 this 820 to 845 this do you are you that style or not.
1: You know that was not my normal style I will fully admit I have inherited some meetings where that was the tempo and so I have continued that. I mean, I think in some ways it's helpful to have some general guidance because time management is an important component of running the meeting. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily hold myself to that. Meaning that if there's really rich discussion on an important topic, I'll extend that off. And you know, honestly, sometimes you have to start thinking about what are those topics down the road that I can hold for the next meeting, because I I never want to cut off really rich dialogue on an important topic. And I'd rather allow that to breathe a little bit more as Mm -hmm. opposed to rushing through things solely to stay on that very strict and rigid timeline.
0: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I I like to have a rough idea and sometimes I put times in, sometimes I don't, but I totally agree with being able to say, you know, we're going to blow it up because this is an important conversation that we need to keep having. Um, So -hmm. kind of making peace with that one beforehand, I think is a good thing in general. I I completely agree. And I will just tell people that sometimes when I'm running a meeting. Okay. Is there anything else that you do as pre-work before the meeting other than kind of come through, get through your agenda, get materials out and get the folks ready? You know, I
1: I don't like to be surprised. Uh, (laughs) And so um, when there are controversial topics or ones that I know are going to have multiple views of opinion, And in particular, if I have a sense of key individuals who may have certain views and also maybe key influencers within that meeting, Mm -hmm. I may reach out to them in advance just to better understand their position, not to convince them of anything, but really just to better understand so that as I'm facilitating that conversation, it just helps me in navigating that particular topic I don't have to do that very frequently, but every now and then there'll be a topic where you really know a little bit of meeting in advance with some key influencers and stakeholders will be important to allow that dialogue not to get off the rails during the actual meeting.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really useful thing. I think it's probably a really good element of change management to like actually hear out all voices. And sometimes it's easier to do that beforehand too. Um, Okay, that, that's great. Now, now comes the time that's like, it's the meeting, and you're in charge. And so you say, hey, everybody, <laughs> we're going to have a meeting. Um, I, I, I guess I'll ask you kind of, what do you think about how to effectively run a meeting? And I guess, particularly since you emphasize dialog love for you to reflect a little bit on how you make sure you hear all voices
1: one of the things that I do, or at least I did when we had in-person meetings, and this may just be my perception, uh, but you'll notice I never sit at the head of the table. I always sit at the side. That's very intentional uh, to really foster that I'm part of the conversation. I do not want to direct the conversation and I want to engage everyone. And so I'm very deliberate about where I position myself. Now, I don't know if that really matters or not, but at least it's a perception that
0: I have. I think it does. I think that's, I I like that a lot.
1: You know, and then I think, um, you know, as a, if you are the say chair of the committee or you're the one managing uh, or running the meeting, your role is really a facilitator. And so it really is important to bring in all voices. And so if there are people who maybe uh, are more reserved, but you know have important input, you know, ask them directly, don't put them on a spot in a way that, you know, will will cause them to feel uncomfortable, but find those moments in the conversation to engage and bring their viewpoint in. And again, this gets back to really thinking about the topic and thinking about the viewpoints and what everyone who's at that meeting brings to it so that you can call out those different areas and ensure that you've had the full breadth of the conversation because you don't want it you don't want the meeting to be um, dominated by a single voice, right? And so you really have to be careful about managing that and facilitating to allow all individuals. And part of that, you know, I think of it as creating a safe space, right? Mm-hmm. You want to create a space where people are comfortable speaking up and bringing forward even opinions that may be uh, either different or in contrast to the majority. But that's great. That's what we need to hear those voices, too. And so you really have to create a safe environment so people feel comfortable. It's just like our patient safety efforts, right? Mm -hmm. Speak up. You want to do the same thing in meetings.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I very much appreciate that. And I think I like the kind of welcoming the voices, inviting those voices, and not waiting for people to necessarily feel like they can speak up. Because some people, I think, are reticent to do that sometimes, particularly with power differentials in the room. Um, You alluded to one of the challenges, I think, of some meetings, which is I know that all the people listening to this podcast have been in a meeting where there is one really strong voice that maybe is crowding out other voices. And as the person leading the meeting, how do you manage that?
1: Uh, You know, there are different tactics depending on who the individual is and the circumstances. Um, You know, I think sometimes, again, you don't want to cut people off right? You want to allow them to express, but you also want to be able to deliberately then call on individuals who haven't had a chance to speak. Sometimes I'll throw in a little bit of humor uh, just to try to deflect and change the narrative if it's starting to get really tense Mm -hmm. um, to be able to, to, you know, shift into a different segue of the conversation. Um, And, you know, sometimes you may need to follow up with a given individual after the meeting, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially if it's a pattern now, I have to say though, in general, here within our culture and community, people are pretty respectful of one another, uh and that usually is not an issue. I find people again, we just have a very collaborative environment, and people are respectful of divergent opinions here. at least that's my sense.
0: I think that's true. I think that the voices that are dominating are rarely like. Antagonistically dominating. I just think that some people are, like me, actually, are more prone to talk than not talk. And, yeah. you know, I personally have to remind myself to step back sometimes to make sure that there's space for other people to talk. And sometimes I, I think we have to encourage some of our colleagues to do the same thing, not because of any ill intent. It's just they're predisposed to be the talkers in meetings.
1: Well, and I honestly, even for myself, I've tried over time to learn to hold back my own views on a given topic Mm -hmm. until either the end Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: let other people speak first. Um, Because sometimes, especially if you're in a leadership position, if you voice your opinion very early on, you can really shut down conversation. So that's something that I've learned over my career and, and something that I really try to be attentive to. I'm not always successful <laughs> uh, especially if I'm passionate about something uh, but I really do try to allow others and, and get the views of others before I either comment and and honestly, a lot of times you know for instance our UWP board, uh, my role I, I really see as a facilitator and it's mm-hmm. really just bringing in the voices of the trustees and you know not I don't need to share my personal views. it's really I'm trying to gather, Uh, the information from all the trustees so that we can make the best decision for our faculty in that situation.
0: I agree. I mean actually I find it easier to step back when I'm running the meeting and when I'm like a participant in the meeting, I'm more likely to step in, which is interesting. But I think that part where you hear other voices, I like to amplify the voice of some people who I think maybe need some amplification and make sure people are hearing the contributions of folks sometimes as well. Um, I want to follow up on one other thing you said, which is, you know, welcoming dissenting opinions and dissenting voices, um, and I don't mean contentious necessarily, but just like somebody who's giving a different take or different opinion. So what's your strategy to really bring those out? Because they're so helpful when you're trying to think through something you want, the people who are going to say, but what about this?
1: You know, sometimes I'll ask leading questions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even if I think I know the answer to it, but I want, I'll ask the question to bring out that perspective that I know is there. Mm-hmm. And so that's another piece of the planning is think about what are those questions you want to ask about a given topic to engage all the different viewpoints. Uh, Because I find that a very effective way as well is, you know, just ask the questions. Um, Even, again, thinking about maybe there's a majority uh, viewpoint, but bring out that uh, other voice and ask questions that you know will elicit it.
0: Yeah, I think that that I like that kind of pre-work of thinking of the questions that might actually invite invite those voices. Um, we talked a little bit about time management and sometimes saying, OK, I'm going to let that stuff go. But do you do anything else to try to stay on track when it's not that you have to stay involved in this discourse? Because sometimes conversation could just go on and it maybe isn't really advancing
1: the, I get, the topic. It's important to stay. I try to start on time mm-hmm. uh, as best we can and I always wanna end on time. And we can talk about what end time should be in the world of Zoom. Uh, But I think starting and stopping on time is important. Keeping track of the time during the meeting so that if you expand in one area, maybe you contract in another. And when I'm facilitating a meeting, even if it's a two hour board meeting, I'm thinking of every agenda item as I go through here and thinking about where I, I push where I contract uh, and how I manage that time so that we end on time or early. Um, And so I think that time management and keeping an internal clock
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: is an important skill set in being effective.
0: So you're thinking about all the time and you're kind of playing with the the spaces, which I I really, I I agree with that. And I I do the same. Um, One more question before we talk about Zoom. And I just want to amplify start on time, end on time. I love that. I, when I was a early faculty member, one of my bosses was Jeff Drazen, and he used to say, Tresh, you're rewarding the tardy by not starting on time, which <laughs> I found very entertaining. And yet the principle of it is right. People show up, start your meeting. Um, before we talk about Zoom, one more question, which is, do you end with action items usually, or how do you wrap it up? How do you close a meeting? Do you do anything particular at the end?
1: You know, it depends. Often there may be on each subset of the meeting, right? Okay. The different agenda items may have their own subset. I do think that's a good thing to do is that to uh, summarize the discussion that has occurred. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, okay, this is, you know, sometimes it's moving to approve a given element after discussion. Other times it is going to be, okay, here are the next steps. Or here's what I heard. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else hear anything else? Um, and make sure you've captured that. Because again, if we go back to why we have the meetings, in my mind, it's to move initiatives forward. And so you always wanna be thinking about, as I come out of this meeting, what are those to-dos mm-hmm. uh, for me or for others who are in the meeting so that we can continue to move things forward? Because you know, meetings often, maybe you have once a month, right? But you can't change or manage a project simply within the meetings. yeah, It's the work in between the meetings. And so you need to identify what are those steps we're gonna do over this next short period of time or long period of time to continue to move things forward. I
0: think that's super helpful for people to hear that it's really like the meetings are the checkpoints but the work is happening in between. So having those action items or the summary of what was heard and what we're gonna do next is really important. Um, Okay, Zoom, we have, been on Zoom a lot, you and I and many other people. Um, Two questions about Zoom. One is, is it different on Zoom? Are there things we have to attend to differently on Zoom when we're having a meeting?
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think all of us have gotten pretty good at it now, unfortunately, over the past year. But early on, it was a little more challenging because you, for me anyway, I still want to be able to see everyone's face, Mm -hmm. ideally, right? (laughs) So you have to adjust are you looking at the gallery, or are you just looking at a few individuals? Sometimes I'll have the participant list up so that if you're looking for hands that are raised, mm-hmm. right? So it's a little more difficult to find those cues, mm-hmm. so that you don't miss when people want to, you know, participate in the conversation. Yeah. Um, so you have to be, I think, a little more intentional with Zoom to really watch and make sure that you've brought everyone in. Uh, And again, unfortunately, we've had a lot of practice over this. And in some ways, Zoom has been a positive. Uh, And again, I know many people don't say that. But when you think of a system as large as ours with people all over the place, Mm -hmm. there is some value to be able to bring people together without having to commute a half hour to get to here and there. Right. And so there are some positives there. Now, we've completely lost our restroom breaks Uh, which is a huge negative uh, of Zooms. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's a plus and a minus.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the part of bringing people together more easily is actually a plus. And I think you do it really nicely of kind of keeping track of people by seeing their faces and watching hand raising or whatever the different features are. So I think you're particularly good at that. Um, I cannot stand that we go back to back, as you know. So what do you <laughs> think about ending Zoom meetings early? Or maybe we should end all meetings a little early and give people yeah, a, no, a
1: break. I agree. It seemed like when we were in person, we used to, in general, end meetings 10 minutes early, right? In part because you had to have time to walk, and that was when you could use the restroom. Uh, but you know, now, unfortunately, with Zoom, things have changed to now we're using the full hour, and often they're back to back. And I, I do think that that is one of the things that you know we could put some really guidance around how to run a Zoom meeting or any meeting, and you really should end 10 minutes early uh, just to allow people to have a little bit of a break, even if they physically don't need to move, just to reset their mind for the next meeting. Mm-hmm. It's really hard if you're thinking in one direction for 60 minutes and then you have to pivot to the next meeting and shift to a totally new topic, it, I think just having a little bit of a pause in between there allows you to just kind of take a deep breath, reset yourself and be ready to engage in the next session. And I, and I think that is something that we can change uh, even in the world of Zoom.
0: Yeah, I hundred percent endorse that. You heard it here for, for you heard it here first, folks. Fifty minute meetings, like I think that break is so important, particularly if it's in any way contentious meeting. Man, you really need a little bit of a break to kind of enter the next space the best you can, really. Yeah. Um, okay, I do have one last question: minutes or follow up? Do you send something out after every meeting that you have, or do you send some kind of summary? What do you think about that?
1: You know, a lot of uh, meetings have minutes, which I think are good uh, to, and it's good to, I think, edit those early after the meeting, if possible, so that the meeting is still fresh in your mind. And the minutes can also be then used to remind you, uh, in my case, of those action items that were agreed upon, right? So that if you're reviewing the minutes the day before the next meeting, then it's probably too late. Although sometimes that's unfortunately the pattern that we often get into. And so early review of minutes, using those to really reflect on those action items uh, and to-dos prior to the next meeting so that then you are ready to to report out advancements or discuss the next steps uh, based on what has happened in between.
0: I think I completely agree because I've let minutes sit for too long and Lisa Pierce helps me with minutes in a lot of my meetings and they're wonderful. And I read them, but if I don't read them pretty quickly thereafter, I can't remember the details nearly well enough. And I love the idea of using that to come up with the to do's and the next steps as well. They're great prompts for that. All right. You have given many, many pieces of wisdom about meetings. Is there any last thing that you want to add that you think is really important or anything you want to reiterate? Because that's like the most important thing you told me.
1: Yeah, not to reiterate, but I'm just thinking forward um, as we come out of this pandemic. And you know, we went from all in person to now all Zoom, and I think it's going to be a hybrid mm-hmm. at some point here going forward. I could envision, you know, eventually getting to a point where maybe with smaller groups having more, uh, you know, in person meetings, even some, you know, larger groups. Uh, again, right now we still have to have masking and the physical distancing. At some point, that w- may change. I hope. But even there, there may be a role for Zoom. As we talked about, when you're bringing in people from all across our system where they're not physically in the same location, Zoom is very effective. And when you think of our school across the Whammy region, even more effective uh, in some ways uh, by Zoom. So I do think there will be a a mix of models, and it'll probably be a little bit iterative figuring out which one is best for which venue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it'll be a mix going forward. I think we won't be saying goodbye to Zoom. I think it will be a powerful tool, but I think we can use it to its advantage as opposed to relying on it for all meetings.
0: I think I think that totally resonates with me because I think there's some actually really positive things about it and it'll be good to come together in person and, and talk and, and sometimes maybe you'll do Zoom for a group multiple times and then come together occasionally and Zoom, 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 and then come together. And that would be okay too. So I agree with you about the hybrid. All right, this has been a great discussion. Like I said, I think that we assume people know how to do this. I know how I learned on the job. Nobody taught me. And I think sharing some thoughts about it is really helpful for, helpful for people as they start to move into a role where they might be running more meetings or start to become the chair of a committee or things like that. So I really, really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for having me. It was terrific uh, just spending some time talking about this exciting topic.
0: <laughs> you heard it here. I Also, meetings are exciting. <laughs> Thanks again, Tim, so much. I'm sure our listeners will learn a ton from our conversation. Um, and for those of you out there to listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.uwmedicine.org. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.